everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is December the 18th of 20. 20. What a week it's been. Strong hand, long term thinking. Bitcoin is next. Bitcoin in motion. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. I am offended by selling. Who couldn't be offended by selling this week? Uh, compete, don't complain. Conviction really paid off uh, this week, didn't it? Hello, my elite friends. Follow me on Twitter, TechBall, T E C H B A L T. Ask questions. You can do a super chat. The panel will be happy to answer your questions or type in Bitcoin Meister. Uh, wow. This this is uh this was a memorable week, wasn't it? I mean, it was like uh, all time high, twenty thousand dollars. Hello, everyone. Now we've got Anders is in the house. John and Dennis are in the house. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. As you can tell, all the fiat freaks and people who value their wealth in Bitcoin are quite excited this week. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tease you a little bit. We're not gonna talk about the price right away. Because there was other big news. I mean, if the Coinbase announcement was made on a, any other week, that would have been huge news on, on, onto itself. Crypto exchange Coinbase is officially going public. Coinbase has filed its IPO paperwork with the SEC, and I think it's uh, I think it's great news. Uh, there's a, a twenty eight million a twenty eight billion dollar IPO uh, valuation. Masari says it might coinbase might be worth 28 billion dollars okay so john what's your thoughts on this uh this coinbase noise news uh to be honest i don't care that much um coinbase coinbase doesn't uh factor into my thinking about this space or buying bitcoin or anything like that i know a lot of people use it i know it's one of you know it's a big exchange lots of uh, liquidity there some of the bigger players are using it to acquire their bitcoin so you know, whatever. But I, I've I've been a, a opponent of their practices for a long time, and just how they get down, and what they're building, and what their focus is, and how they communicate, and how they operate. So, uh, look, I mean, in this environment where there's so much fiat money sloshing around, uh, all money is looking for a home. There's a ton of speculation, pretty much in every domain, and it seems like we're at the beginning of a bull run where Lots of people are starting to look toward Bitcoin and crypto, I suppose, more broadly once again and perhaps on a larger scale than ever before, you know, definitely on a larger scale than ever before. It makes sense for them to pull the trigger on this now and cash in. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, what are they going to do with the proceeds? They're probably going to continue doing what they've done in terms of how they've operated. And I it's partially good for Bitcoin, I guess, because it will be the, the doorway through which a lot of noobs acquire Bitcoin for the first time. Um, and to that extent, once they get in the door and they start learning about it and they consult a lot of the resources in the space and they, they have skin in the game and then they start to uh, engage in Bitcoin differently, then that's great. And to the extent that um, they continue to operate as they have and direct people's attention toward things other than Bitcoin, uh, then it's not great. But it is what it is. It's the market and I don't... Uh, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't occupy much of my thinking even after I heard the announcement. So it is what it is. It's good for well, the space in terms of valuing other companies in the space, I guess. Like I'm hoping that 
such a huge valuation for Coinbase will mean the Bitcoin only companies that I'm sure a lot of us really appreciate and like, it means that their relative value may go up in the minds of people that are valuing businesses now in this space. So that's good. Yeah, there. I, I was going to ask you to take a few steps back and look at the bigger, the bigger picture. Also, I mean, this is going to be the first major uh, American IPO related to Bitcoin. So there's going to be big, big coverage of this. I, I think it, it'll add. Not that we need the seal of legitimacy from traditional finance, financial markets, but it will add uh, an aura of legitimacy that previously may have not uh, been there. Uh, do, do you have thoughts on, on that, on the bigger picture? Like it's, it's the first IPO. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of eyeballs will come to the space. You know, a lot of new money will come to the space. It'll trickle down into other areas. It'd be interesting to see actually, you know, like, and so, yeah, it's good for Bitcoin. It's good for Bitcoin companies and it's good for just general awareness and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see off the back of this, what, you know, in, in 2017, it was the ICO craze, right? Once people see that there's huge money in this. Yes, it's good for Bitcoin, but what else will it attract to this space? Like what's going to be the ICO of the 2021 bull run? It'll be interesting to see what takes that mantle, if anything different, or if it's just the same all over again. But yeah, good pro, pros and cons, but this is par for the course. It's to be expected. And, um, you know, I just keep uh, buying and hodling Bitcoin and that's that's from from the from the companies that uh, I think are doing it the, the correct way in the space and all the other attention is great. And it also, Adam, gives us an opportunity as people to create content in the space. Be those more eyeballs, you know, rising tide lifts all boats to some degree. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, appeal to some of those people and get them uh, looking at it or offering a different perspective on, on how to think about and engage with Bitcoin. Well, you ask what's the next ICO, uh, it'll be DeFi and uh, Coinbase will allow people to uh, to DeFi over there, get interest. Who knows? It'll be a Bitcoin bank that people will be encouraged to leave their Bitcoin there, which, of course, we're against. But, hey, they're going to get massive funds to do it. Compete, don't complain. There will be Bitcoin banks. They will be heavily regulated. Coinbase will be one of them. Speaking of regulation, everyone, we will talk about the rumored regulation of the wallets coming up in this show. We're gonna to have to talk about it. I don't want to scare anyone about it. Okay, let's 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 go to Dennis here. Dennis, what do you think about the the, the Coinbase situation and the the IPO uh, that'll probably come in uh, early twenty twenty one? I think it's they timed it pretty well based on what happened with the all time high. So <laughs> I think they're taking advantage of the situation as Brian usually does, which is which is fine. Like I don't I don't necessarily hate him or like him. He's just like. Yeah, he's out there to get as much money as possible out of this market, which is, which is fine. Dude, Dennis laying down the calm explanation. I love that we went to me screaming to Dennis like, yeah, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Indeed, very good point. Short but sweet, baby. That's the way we like it. Anders, what's your take? Um, overall, I think uh, a Coinbase IPO, which is going to get um, a ton of uh, noise and publicity, is just great PR. Uh, for Bitcoin, unfortunately, you know, some people will will go there, open an account and um, and uh, and end up buying, uh, you know, dirt coins, uh, which is a sad and a shame. And they will be scammed by uh, Coinbase to, you know, appreciate those assets, although they should not be appreciated. But overall, it's going to give a huge hype uh, to the space. And um, and uh, for that reason, I think it's uh, it's positive for 
for Bitcoin. Uh, you know, again, as John, this is not like we, we can easily do without Coinbase, but uh, hey, it's going to be publicity and that's great. I'd rather have that than something else. What I will say is uh, to Coinbase, yeah, get it done on, uh, you know, before exchanges become irrelevant, because once uh, the, the, the fiat currencies collapse and become irrelevant and don't exist anymore, um, then, then how are the exchanges going to make money? Because you don't need to unload dirty bags to buy a real good quality money. So they need to sell their business model while it's still relevant. Uh, because 10 years from now, I really don't think that um, anyone, including the United States government, wants to accept uh, their own currency uh, because it's not going to be worth um, much. It doesn't have a future, in my opinion. So sell the exchange while people still value it. And the only way they can make money going forward is by being a bank, as you were talking about. There'll be an, in there'll be an income there, but you don't make as much income uh, on that as you do by charging, I don't know what they charge, 3 4% for, for all the dirty fiat coming in being uh, converted to a solid, valuable Bitcoin. Well, yeah, yeah, they, with all the money they will raise, I think they'll be able to pivot to sell a different uh, business model. And yeah, it would be a, a Bitcoin bank is the first one that comes to both our minds uh, right there. There are also people talk exchange tokens. I don't, I don't know anything about exchange tokens, but apparently they'll they'll be able to print their own money. Uh, there's, there's a lot of a lot of different ways they can go if uh, if the uh, scenery changes. So let's let's talk about the uh, and by the way I like what Dennis said uh, good timing on Coinbase's part <laughs> they knew it was going to go to twenty thousand this week didn't they no I I don't know uh, but it it, 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 did, it did look real nice it, it looked real nice they can they can claim that they did but yeah let let's talk about the the changing uh, scenery and uh, what actually helps change the scenery out there and, and unfortunately it's uh, government regulation. Uh, and the rumor is the U.S. Treasury is about to impose new restrictions on money service businesses that interact with self-hosted crypto wallets. As pointed out by Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong, there we go, he's all over the place, and reported by The Block. It's anticipated that the new rule will request uh, MBSs to file currency transaction reports when a client conducts a crypto-related transaction above a yet-to-be a confirmed threshold. The rule might be similar to the current reporting transactions well established in the traditional financial world. So it hasn't come as the, the rumors were a little bit, uh, I, I, they were a little bit different last week or during Thanksgiving weekend. Now it seems like, okay, what, what the rumor is, you've, you've got your, uh, your Bitcoin and you want to uh, sell it on Coinbase, you send it in, or and uh, they just report it to the government that hey, Adam sent in five thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. This is his address. We we are sure this is his private address. And it's just that uh, it, it, they're they're helping the government create a big database of uh, all of your cryptocurrency information and how much you're sending back and forth. And that they're lending, that they're giving to that. Now there are ways of avoiding that, obviously. But let's like let's hit on on the regulation itself. So, Andrews, what, what do you think about the latest rumor? Um, I, I think that it is a clear example about how government is government for government and not government for the people. Um, and um, and clearly, we you know there shouldn't be a need for government uh, to know 
what you necessarily hold of, of savings. It, I don't think that's none of their business. Uh, of course, they need to know what they need to know, um, you know, to... to uh... Oh, wait. Did... Uh, is Andrews frozen for you guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you froze. Okay, Andrews, come back. Um, yeah, so as soon as I'm done with this rant, I'll go open the door to the Wi-Fi. Maybe that uh, that, that shouldn't be closed. Um, so overall, um, I, I think it's government for the government, not government for the people. Um, it's none of their business what you know you have as savings. I understand they need to uh, tax whatever they need to tax. I'm, I'm not pro that, but um, of course they need to know transactions, but I don't see any reason why they should know what people hold uh, as savings, it's uh, they become a target then for all different kinds of, um, you know, even criminal activities, because we all know that uh, centralized authorities cannot keep um, information, uh, uh, you know, um, private, it, it, you know, one huge entity after another is hacked and out comes the information. I don't want anyone to know, you know, um, that I almost have one Bitcoin. I, I don't want anyone to make me a target. Uh, indeed. Now, will this uh, create, uh, I mean, this is going to create a lot of paperwork for these dudes. And uh, we don't know what the limit will. First of all, we still don't know if it's going to happen yet. It's still a rumor. The administrations are still going to just a change in administration. So this is the, the Treasury Department under the current administration. Perhaps the next one will be different. Perhaps there's already an agreement to the transaction. I mean, you would think both parties want to keep track of, of everyone at this point, sadly. Um, but uh, Dennis, what, what is your take on, on the rumors here? Yeah, I mean, even if they do come to fruition, it's sort of like, well, if enough of the, again, if enough politicians at some point own enough Bitcoin, they're probably going to get rid of it. So I figure in the long term, it's going to be a non-issue. Short term, yeah, I can totally see people getting incentivized not to take their crypto or Bitcoin off of exchanges. But I think it, it probably will happen in a place like New York, just because just I know how things are around here. <laughs> It'll definitely happen in New York at some point. But I mean, there are people who are going to take advantage and be up for making money off of that situation. So let's say someone doesn't want to take it off themselves. There will be people out there who do want to take advantage of that and charge them fees to like, all right, I can figure out how to get your Bitcoin uh, non-KYC'd at some point. So I could, there could be like short-term opportunity there if it does get passed. Now, I also want to say, we don't know what the cutoff number is. Like, hey, mm -hmm. uh, so if I've got $4,000 on Coinbase and you're just sending it, to, you're not selling it, you're not, you're, you're just sending it to your own, your, your trezor. The, the United States government is going to – they're going to have to report it to the United States government. Now, now, I always thought that they were probably reporting it to the government anyway. That, that's another mm -hmm. point I wanted to make. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I thought you know, if I'm buying from Coinbase, they're probably telling the government – I mean they got your social security number. It's pretty easy to track. Now it, it's going to become part of the law though that they, every, every transaction from your uh, Coinbase wallet off of your Coinbase wallet uh, will be sent to the government above a certain number. So, uh, so for all of you scared about that, uh, worried about that, uh, get it all off now. <laughs> get, don't, don't have it now. If, if you're keeping it on the exchange, you get it off now. Maybe they won't report it. I, I bet they are reporting it anyway. Uh, John, what, what's your take on all these rumors? 
well, I echo a lot of the stuff that's already been said. One, like I have always considered that anytime I use a KYC exchange, that everything I do is knowable by, you know, government, let's say. Like I've never thought I was under any veil of secrecy doing so. So to me, like as much as, and, and I also always expected, you know, in the, in the kind of plan for the worst, hope for the best scenario, that the government overreach uh, and would, would continue to accelerate and get worse and worse. So like to me, this, if this goes through, um, it's not a surprise nor does it change much in terms of how I engage with Bitcoin because, you know, now, because if, if, if I was going through KYC exchanges, I assume that was known. And it, in my longer term idea of how we navigate this transition, um, you know, go, increasing government enforcement and, and uh, privacy infringements and stuff like that were always a part of it. Now, hopefully, you know, for some, maybe it incentivized them to look for alternatives and maybe we get more liquidity in things like BISC and, and whatever else and and uh, solutions to to these things emerge in tandem with the the legislation that's being brought to try to restrict this this industry and so we get more restrictions we get more solutions we get more restrictions we get more solutions and it's kind of like a scaffold that's put around this until one day we can take it down and we find that everyone's engaging in Bitcoin in a highly private highly, you know, secure, highly anti-KYC sort of way and the transition of, of that final break away from the form, formal system is is much easier than it otherwise would be. But, you know, I I think I don't think any of us ever anticipated that as, as much as we've seen a lot of tailwinds recently and there's politicians supporting this now and the institutions are coming and yada, 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 government's going to want to have some semblance of control on this or at least attempt to establish it. And, uh, you know, it's our job to use the technology to the extent possible to mitigate the degree to which that attempt impinges on our, our freedoms and our own control over our own asset here. And, uh, you know, so for me, it's, it's pretty much par for the course. Uh, and maybe it's a wake up call to some people, but, uh, you know, not, not, not a huge event for me. All right. Pound that like button, everybody. Hey. Anders, you were you were having technical difficulties. You're back. Uh, do you have anything more to say about the uh, re regulations? Um, I not not really. Uh, I don't know if you guys could hear what I said, but um, yeah, we, you know, I, I think. Oh, yeah. One last thing. There, there's gonna be judicial uh, arbitrage. I, I have seen it already with friends in the in, in the Bitcoin space. Um, America's regulation, I see how it is uh, moving uh, people will, with wealth out of the country due to regulations that they just don't like. And I'm not just talking the Bitcoin space, I'm talking everything. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, um, I hopefully it doesn't get too bad, uh, but uh, Bitcoin doesn't care, it's a honey badger. Um, and um, if, if you don't make it a good place to be with Bitcoin, people will leave. Uh, and, uh, and that's not good for America. But I think, you know, I have great hopes for this nation. I think that once uh, we have sound money in the United States, so you can remove that, you know, insane level of corruption and money dilution. And then um, the then U.S. is going to be a great nation like once it, it was. Uh, I, I see uh, great potential and, uh, um, and I'll look forward to that on the behalf of U.S. Yeah, so this could... Uh 
this could wreck some innovation here. If it, if it, if the regulations do involve a lot of paperwork, it's only going to be bigger companies that are going to be able to deal uh, in this aspect of Bitcoin. And thus, uh, smaller companies who might have gotten in and might have been innovative will just they will never exist. So that's uh, your your jurisdictional arbitrage, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the, the, the smaller companies want to come to the United States. They'll uh, they'll go somewhere else where they won't have to deal with. Uh, such regulations. Unfortunately, there. I mean, there are plenty of companies, uh, countries. I mean, the Netherlands is worse with they with over there. Uh, but uh, like John said, for me personally, this doesn't really affect my you know how I deal with Bitcoin and, and stuff. I mean, I don't I don't need to go through these uh, uh, traditional uh, rails that, that so many people do. Uh, I mean, I, I already bought my Bitcoin, and uh, if I need to buy more Bitcoin, then perhaps if things get crazy with the KYC thing, you know, you just go to a a Bitcoin meetup and you, you hand somebody some cash. I mean, there's 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 always ways around this. Uh, but and, and like and also what John said, and I can't stress this enough. Um, I mean, I, I I thought Coinbase was already keeping track of every single transaction that we made through them. Even if we, you know, I never sold at Coinbase before, but I bought at Coinbase. And I thought they told the government, you know, Adam Meister bought this much and he sent it to this address. And uh, I, I just assumed that. So now it's, it's it's just official party line. All right. So don't worry, people. You know, uh, it seems like this, you know, when this rumor first came out during Thanksgiving, there was more panic. Uh, now, well, first of all, not not everyone has covered the rumor today. It's just a few uh, a few different uh, places right now. But I'm sure it could explode at any moment if uh, the government makes an announcement. So have a strong hand, people. Have a strong hand. Sometimes people sell the news. All right, let's talk about uh, are the institutions here. John made a reference to that beforehand. Uh, Bitwise made a big announcement that they have this uh, – you can can pretend you own Bitcoin through uh, Bitwise now, and it, it is sort of like GBTC. Then we had the announcement, uh, Ruffer confirms a $744 billion, uh, a $744 million uh, Bitcoin investment. So uh, are we on the verge of institutional FOMO? What's up with that? Uh, we'll start with Dennis on this. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's coming out that a lot of these companies were buying back in 2014, and they were buying during the whole bear market of 2018. So. I think it's already here. I, you mentioned it in, I think, one of your other episodes that the we're not necessarily early anymore, and I agree with that 100%. I think uh, it's becoming more and more known. I mean, it's kind of hard to find a person who doesn't know about Bitcoin by now, and but they're not paying attention to all the institutions that are coming through, so there's going to be a delay in that with uh, new coiners. You know, I, it's still, it is not the like 2% early part of the curve anymore. We're like in the 11% now. There's that that chart. Because yesterday, I wasn't going to talk about this, but you know, when you've got some rapper lady shaking her booty on Twitter talking about Bitcoin, you're not early anymore. All right? Mm-hmm. A, I mean, it was like we're flapping around. Every part of the body was flapping around. That's It's not early anymore when that's happening. For those of you who value your wealth in that. Now, let's... Uh, <laughs> so so uh, I want to hear... Uh, your your take on this, John? The not not the booty flapping, but the uh, I mean, are, are the, the instant. I mean, we we got uh, these dudes, Roofer or Ruffer. They supposedly they got rid of their gold to to do this. I mean, it's a little bit more complex than that. 
So what what is your take on the uh, the pump? Uh, I mean, the Bitcoin price went up a lot. Is is this in, it's all institutions now? Are we in corporate Bitcoin domain now? I, I think there's a few things at play. Um, and just a comment on the booty flapping. It's, you know, and I, I talked to Creases about this before because he's done some some good models on this. And I think it's important to understand, like, there's different types of adoption. Like, the mainstream pop culture adoption that's happening now, I would say is still largely in the, like, Bitcoin will make you rich sort of thing, right? So they're not, we're not sharing much of a narrative with those people. It's cool. It's new money. It's like, so that that's I think a consideration. So though, I don't think those those hands are necessarily strong hands. They're not hodl hands. They're you know fly by night sort of stuff. But um, look, I think the fact that it's broken its new all time highs means that the tulip argument is gone. You know, you you just can't once something reemerges and, and exceeds its old all time high, you, you you can't so easily call it a bubble anymore. And no serious person would accept you know that characterization. Uh, from what I hear from retail exchanges, even though I know you know the Google Trend stuff is not showing a lot of retail FOMO, and maybe it's not getting as much media press as it did in seventeen, I know all the exchange people that I know um, are saying that they're seeing record signups, record transaction volumes, all that kind of stuff. But to your point, I do think the thrust of this is probably institutional uh, money coming in. Like we know the obvious, you know, sailor kind of kicked that thing off, even though, of course, there were some before him, but he was a very public uh, person who did it in a, in, a, in a very public way. And I think that that narrative of how it can be used as a treasury asset and the narrative of, let's say, digital gold and the narrative of inflation hedge and the expanding narrative of what this thing really is that us maximalists, you know, uh, continue to, to try to refine and understand ourselves. I think that's starting to percolate through. And right now we're seeing the very, very, very early adopters on an institutional level. And so those people are kind when they come in, as you said, you know, they come in with 500 million, a billion plus. And in a market that's as tight as this one, that, that can easily uh, move things. And again, I think this is where a lot of our, you know, bullish price predictions come from is because that's peanuts, both in terms of, you know, the number of institutions that have come in and the scale at which they've done so. When we have institutions coming in in the multiple billions, potentially tens of billions, um, there's, just, there's just not enough of this stuff around for them to scoop up at, at, for prices to remain the same. You know, and that's going to put a lot of upward price pressure on, on Bitcoin. But, yeah, I think this is the, the very beginning of institution, institutions starting to get it, see the value prop, and making uh, allocations. And to them, you know, we all, also have to consider, you know, every time Bitcoin crashes up, you know, reaches a new all-time high, you know, we celebrate, and then we're like, oh, Bitcoin's kind of expensive. Now, I know we're not stopping stacking, but we're still like, wow. But these institutions that are getting in now with their half a billion, billion dollars, they're scooping all this up. They're not looking at 25,000, 30,000 saying, gee, this is expensive. They're saying, we got to get as much of this as possible while we can. You know, and we've all heard sailors' references to going to bed feeling, you know, with anxiety, feeling chronically short. And I think they'll feel that way, you know, all the way up to 100K and beyond. So, the, and that's the thing about Bitcoin that's so crazy is like the value prop of Bitcoin, what it represents vis a vis and in contrast to every other option that's available to deploy your capital into. What is the ceiling of what of value for something like that? 
it's way beyond 100K, obviously. And I think institutions are, be, are, are when they try to place their valuation frameworks on it, they're coming back and saying like, well, we can't use any of our traditional models, but what this represents compared to everything else that we have available as an option is, you know, priceless or, you know, of course they have to put something on it to, to communicate these things, but I think they'll be buying all the way up and, and may, it'll probably get peaks and troughs as, as most bull markets have, but uh, I think there's going to be a sustained demand from institutions from this and increasing as we move forward. 2021 is probably going to be a huge year for institutional uh, buying. You, what, what's the ceiling here and what, what's the way they're valuating it? I, I think it's the, I think it's 400,000 uh, based on the gold number. Uh, the, the CIO of uh, Guggenheim uh, basically ref he, he brought up the 400,000 uh, Bitcoin number and that's, Basically, taking into account the, the the market cap of gold, and that Bitcoin is the uh, is gold 2.0. So we, we let, let's pretend that most of these institutional guys have that in mind. That's the way they're calculating this. Of course, they're going to think twenty two thousand dollars is really cheap compared to four hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. So it's it's full steam ahead for those dudes. It, it, what it appears it appears to be now. You say that you know people in the uh, the retail side that say that the retail numbers are increasing, and they can increase. But those people might just be buying a hundred dollars a pop or something, and that's that's it, it can be so it can be eclipsed so uh, unbelievably fast by a, a big uh, institutional whale coming in there. It makes oh. it look like peanuts. You know, like a thousand people bought a hundred dollars worth of it, but then a seller comes and buys millions and millions of it, and it just the retail stuff is now uh, pushed to the side. So retail people, don't be left behind, dudes. These dudes are there pumping up the price. Now, uh, so again, why is, why is, you know, all, all these uh, publications are trying to say, uh, why did the Bitcoin price go up so much uh, lately? It's because of these darn institutions. I, I go back to Michael Saylor in August, on August 11th, my show. I said that was the biggest news of the year. The biggest news of the year was Michael Saylor. Uh, MicroStrategy making the announcement that they were putting it in their uh, treasury, and uh, and then it, it made it cool or it made it acceptable for all the other companies to admit it and, and try to do it or to think about it. So enough of my rant. Uh, Anders, your take on all-time high and uh, institutions and everything we've been talking about. Yeah, uh, so I, I uh, happen to think that uh, 2020 has been a phenomenal year. Um, in, in, in many ways, you got to stay optimistic and look at the positive. I think, first of all, uh, of all, uh, you know, the amount of stimulus the government, ar governments around the world have chosen to do have just uh, really helped Bitcoin um, spur on uh, its, uh, its growth. Um, and, and one of the things I love the most about uh, 2020 is what you, you guys already mentioned. Uh, also, John. Um, is Michael Saylor coming in and using Bitcoin in a company the way that Bitcoin is meant to be used as a store of value, um, as one of the very important aspects uh, of our money. Um, great to hit the old uh, all-time high um, of, of 20K. Uh, I, I, so, you know, even though I have rationally been saying that this, you know, more or less was going to happen for at least two and a half years, uh, then being here now at 23,000, I'm pinching myself and realizing that this whole parabolic curve that I have been talking about and many others and the guys in the chat, um, it's, it, it's actually happening. 
So, uh, but I think, um, yeah, in terms of where we can go in this uh, in this bull run uh, before the next halving cycle, I would say that 400,000 is looking increasingly realistic as a, as a top. But also I will say, and this makes me lose a bet to uh, uh, Poppy, uh, Pablo Tarhuddle and Greg, who are both in the chat, um, that there is an increasing chance that uh, we won't have a real bear market anymore because the speed at which Bitcoin's price is, is exploding, which is ahead of schedule, actually. And it is because fiat is, is dying much faster. Um, so there's a real uh, risk of, of risk of this going uh, parabolic, even in this cycle and, uh, and taking over as money of the world because money is a winner takes all game. Um, so, so, um, so there, and Bitcoin already won. Like Michael Saylor said, he got it totally right there. Uh, but let's be realistic. There is a ceiling. Of course, there is a ceiling for Bitcoin, you know, even at the end of this decade. And that ceiling is infinity. <laughs> Pound that like button. Hey, I want to remind everyone, I, I have, people always ask me to make predictions. I'm not making the $400,000 prediction. I'm just saying what Guggenheim, the Guggenheim guy said and the logic behind it. And uh, there, there has to be some calculation these uh, dudes are making and it, it seems logical to me if it, they, they're using the gold uh, 2.0 uh, calculation dennis do you have anything uh, uh more more to say about this were you uh, uh lighting fireworks uh on uh, the the day that we got over twenty thousand dollars <laughs> uh not really i mean it was i'm pretty much expecting what's happening uh just like the previous cycles not not that it's going to be the exact same it's going to rhyme but I think I think what people need to keep in mind is that if this is going to be the gold replacement, it's at least two x. So that's pretty much like that's the number I tell people if they're like, "Oh, the price is too high, it's too expensive." Well, it's if it's going to be better than gold, then it's at least two x better. And I think Sailor agrees that it's like a, he said a million, but that's that's super bullish. <laughs> And uh, I want to go back, uh, and we should all be bullish. We should all be happy. But I, it's something that I want to point out that Andrew said there might not be a bear market again. Uh, I, I, yeah. I would not. Uh, I wouldn't get on that train of thought just yet because uh, it, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're real happy, and I think it's gonna. We we over. I think it's every time during the bull market it, it overshoots. Like twenty thousand was too high last time. Maybe this time, I don't want to say a number, some huge number will be too high. And then in 2022, it'll go, woo! I mean, we, we got we to gotta be ready for like uh, days where it drops $10,000, days where it drops $20,000 and stuff. So I, I don't want to say there'll never be a, a, a bear market again. And uh, I, I'll, I, don't, I don't know if, you, uh, Andrews, if you have anything more to say about that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, in, in terms of... Uh... Uh, yeah, okay. I, I just—if you had any clarification on your bear market uh, prediction. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here. So, yeah, yeah. Let me go into depth for that because honestly, that's what I spend hours every single day uh, trying to analyze the price and uh, you know, Mike's the anatomy of the bull run, as I call it, which I find extremely interesting. Um, so, uh, what is worth noting is that um, because, in my opinion, stock to flow has been accelerating slower than previously because it was going up faster. It's not only the having every single block, the inflation rate goes down. So if you look at those numbers, you'll, you'll see that. But to get to my, um, to my point, uh, the bull runs have been getting longer, 
for that reason. And um, the price anticipation of the halving that, that uh, start in the increase of the price that has started earlier and earlier. So the last bear market was 12 months. And it kind of, if that is to continue, and I don't see why it wouldn't, um, that bear market can't take more than six months, in my opinion, or close to it. But honestly, again, because of COVID stimulus, um, the, the, you know, incredibly fast dilution of the currency, the way they're killing um, the, the fiat currency currently around the world, um, th that there's a real chance it won't be a four, four uh, sorry, a six months bear market, but maybe just a three months correction. You know, we might not go to 50% um, a correction. We might not go to 40%. That's going to cost me two steak dinners with uh, Pablo and, and Greg in the, in the chat. Uh, but this might be just like a 30% correction, a little bit of downtime, some weak hands getting rid of that Bitcoin, handing it over to smart people, strong hands, and um, and then off to the infinity race. All right. I want to say in the chat, Charlton said, thanks for the show, Adam. Strong hand. Indeed. Indeed. John, any more thoughts on uh, <laughs> bull markets, bear markets, what's been going on? A huge price. I mean... It, I think a lot of people were surprised that it, it got to 20 before the end of the year, and then it just got to 23 all on the same day, 21, 22, 23. Some people predicted it, but uh, John, any any general price uh, talk you want to mention? Uh, not price talk. I mean, I, I, like everyone, I think I think this could happen faster than even we expect. You know, I oscillate between thinking that and thinking it's going to take uh, longer. I still think there'll be bear markets, though the length and depth may be uh, shorter, but nothing grows in a vacuum. Everything consolidates before it moves to another level of growth. You know, you see that all throughout nature. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about is the unlock that this bull market is going to have for, you know, a, a much larger cohort of Bitcoiners than last time. You know, because the people that have, that have held for the last three plus years, let's say, um, and the nature of the attention on this and the nature of, of the macro landscape behind it. And we've seen this just for being 3K over the last all-time high, like uh, just the attitude from Bitcoiners. Like I, I think we're gonna see a lot of Bitcoiners stepping out uh, in this run and you know doing things on their own, leaving their fiat job to try to contribute in, in some way. And I, I can't wait to see the blossoming of, of all these Bitcoiners going out and having the the uh, financial stability to actually start, you know, expressing who they really are in the world and what they really want to be building and contributing. And that's going to feed into the accelerant that all the other accelerants that we've already articulated. And, and it's, that's so, that's the most exciting thing for me. Yeah, indeed. There's, there's excitement all around. And uh, I love what Andrew said, I don't know if Anders even knows. I say the same thing that Anders says. This has been a great year. And uh, I, if people, you need a mentor, you find out someone who says this has been a great year. And Anders, is, he just said it on his own there, right? Right there. So it has been a great year. And by the way, I, I, I'm joking about the, the booty shaking on Twitter. I, I think it is awesome that uh, anyone can find out about Bitcoin. There are no excuses. The people shaking their booties, they can get in before freaking Wells Fargo does. That is, there, there's there's nothing holding people back uh, from, from getting in on this. So er, everyone is welcome in this space and no one can be banned from this space either, which is which is really cool. You might not like booty shaking, but you can't stop it from being here, baby. Um, all right, so 
talking about the uh, banning, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go to politics here real quick. Ross Ulbricht, the, the rumors all of a sudden um, that the president might pardon him, that they at least uh, caught his ear uh, about this. Now, uh, you know, the president, he lost uh, and uh, there's going to be a new president. So you think that he, you know, he pardoned as many people as he wants. I mean, he's go wild on the pardons more so than he would uh, uh, any other time. Uh, do you, any of you uh, have any uh, thoughts on, on Ross Albrecht and uh, the, the possible uh, pardoning situation or, or any of the people that have been mentioned now? They're mentioning uh, who are remotely uh, associated uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, Julian Assange, uh, he's uh, associated with Bitcoin because, uh, you know, he, he, WikiLeaks had to use it. And now he might, the rumors are that he might get pardoned. Uh, anyone, uh, any any takes on that uh, from the panel? I know that's uh, that wasn't a planned question, but I just thought about it. I mean, I'd I'd love to see it. Obviously, Assange, Snowden, Ross. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, I think Assange and Snowden have a better shot because they're way more public figures than Ross is. I, to me, Trump uh, pardoning Ross, much as I'd like to see it, would would be surprising because. Trump is pretty anti-drug, and that's kind of what Ross is associated with, with the, the Silk Road. Um, Assange and Snowden, it would be maybe a bit of more of a middle finger to the establishment on his way out sort of thing, and, and they're very public um, uh, people. But, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if, if he did that, you know, on the way out, the three of those guys and, and possibly more people deserving of a pardon were pardoned, and um, you know, I think that would endear a lot of people to Trump uh, on his way out. But uh, so hopefully, we shall see. I, I think uh, there's a part of me that thinks it's it's more likely for him to do the Ross because he might just no one, most people don't know who he is. So you could just kind of slip it in there, and it would oh, only yeah. be like, it would only be Bitcoin people uh, celebrating, and uh, they 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 focus on some other uh, person that that he let that he let go. That he, that he pardoned and they would try to say it was a bribe or it was associated with his hotels or something. And the Ross thing could just slip in, but you make a good point. He is, uh, he's associated with drugs and uh, he's kind of has a line in the sand uh, with, with drugs, but he has let, uh, he had that criminal reform before prison reform where a lot of guys that got out, I think were associated with drugs. Do, do any of you guys have anything to say about that? Free yeah. Ross. That's all. That's all you got to say. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, President Trump, if you're listening, just free him. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Very, very, very interesting. Well, the, the Bitcoiners will be, be, be happy about uh, about that one. We'll we'll see how that uh, progresses. One, some other news that was beyond, a little bit beyond Bitcoin this week, but it's still, it just shows you how big the cryptocurrency space has become. They're going to be uh, Ethereum futures now uh, that, that that was announced. Um, so I don't know, does, do, do any of you have a, uh, I, I know we don't, we've got some pretty hardcore Bitcoin guys here, but it was, it was news and it got overshadowed because it, it happened on the day of the all time high. But, uh, do, do any of the, the panel members have, uh, thoughts on the, uh, the, the Ethereum futures being uh, announced? All right. <laughs> I'll say something. Okay. So, so when, I guess when the futures came out for Bitcoin, yes, that's when that pretty much that triggered the bear market. So that's probably what everyone is expecting for Ethereum at that point. But I'd like to see it not affect Bitcoin when that happens. 
I don't. I, yeah, I, I doubt it affects Bitcoin. I, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll see about that. What happens? But good good luck to the Ethereum people and uh, and good luck to all the streamers about manipulation. If this futures, it's been, you know, that, that was a big thing with the Bitcoin futures that the the, the entities, mysterious entities, were going to be able to manipulate Bitcoin. And uh, look, mm-hmm. guys, with patience, Bitcoin is at a, at a, at a new all time high. So uh, they couldn't. People were saying we'll never get back to twenty thousand because of the Bitcoin futures, and I, I don't know what the whole logic was, but the quote unquote logic was uh, b- behind that. All right, so we've uh, I think we covered uh, uh, mostly everything. Oh yeah, everybody remember TikTok CoinBeast. Dennis it does CoinBeast stuff too. Dennis uh, writes for a CoinBeast. I'm I'm doing TikToks for CoinBeast, so that is linked to below. Watch that stuff. I'm in motion. It's a golden age, dude. There's so many opportunities out there, and uh, you know, Dennis was just a a regular uh, Bitcoin dude on social media. He got in motion. He, he saw the opportunities out there that I talked about on my show that you can you know you can work from home for some of these companies uh, part time, and he he jumped on it. So hey, do you have any anything to say about that, that Dennis? Uh, about the golden age and the opportunities that are out there for for regular people? Yeah, I feel like not enough people are taking them. Yeah, I mean, you said you said I was the only one who contacted you about it. That's kind of a red flag for me in general. Like with, I think the state of things uh, for a lot of people, but yeah, like you and I just said, this is probably one of the best years for not only Bitcoin, but myself and a lot of other people. I've, a lot of great things have happened. Yeah, people don't have the confidence in themselves. You know, when an opportunity comes up there to jump on it, I think most people, their default is like, I'm not good enough. It's, or it's too good to be true. Dude, there... This space is growing. There is so there are opportunities all the time. You can be pure Bitcoin. You can be definitely altcoins or whatever. There's there's all, all, all sorts of great opportunities out there. So that you know this is the second to last show of the year, I guess. Next week is the 25th. Um, so I, I guess I should have a, ask the guys. Uh, what, what was what was the biggest story for you guys this year or uh, year? Year uh, c- conclusional remarks for the year on on your part, uh, Anders. Giga Chat Sailor, that's the biggest story. <laughs> I, I agree with that one. I agree with the Giga Chat news, but I still keep coming back to uh, this that it's it's Bitcoiners. That's that's maybe that's always going to be the story. But uh, as Dennis was just saying, like you know, a lot of people have come into the space this year. A lot of uh, People that were in the space have grown a lot this year and have improved their situation and have refined their lives and you know and, and creating great stuff, whether it's content or businesses or whatever. And so the thing that gets me the most jazzed, I mean, I love the price, I love Giga Chad coming in, but um, it's you know just to see uh, what Bitcoiners are becoming and and what they're creating just genuinely makes me the most excited of anything. Okay, uh, Dennis, your 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 uh, conclusion uh, remarks for the year, <laughs> your takeaways on the year. I think the best part is working from home. So much time is saved. I, if this is this is probably the one of the few opportunities the millennials and Zoomers have the opportunity to like just get back at the older generations. If you're going to do the whole generation thing. Uh, for the longest time, a lot of corporations have been very strict on 
getting people to come to the office and do their work, but you can do it all at home. So I'm glad their hand was forced because of that. Yeah, if people are finally uh, understanding like the power of the internet that you don't need to go to a physical office, that, that, that was a positive right there. And for all you people starting your uh, Bitcoin businesses out there, you don't, need, you don't need to be located in San Francisco. I think that's pretty freaking obvious at this point now after uh, what we've gone through this year. So uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 been an, it's been an adventure of a year and it's been great for Bitcoin. And it, Bitcoin's definitely given us a present here at the end by, by ending on such a positive note. So speaking about ending on a positive note, we're at the, we're at the end of the show here. And uh, I'm going to let everybody uh, you know, talk about what they're doing or mention it's some news that I didn't uh, bring up this week. I'm, it feels like I'm, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting something here. Like something happened. I don't know if anybody in the crowd has any questions there about news you'd like us to talk about. But we'll we'll start with Anders. What, what, what are you up to? And any news you wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up? Yes, uh, Adam. I just want to say uh, once again thank you so very much uh, to be on your show. I'm happy. I'm honored. Uh, thanks, John and Dennis, for hanging out. Um, you're great guys. Uh, and um, and and then I want to share a little story, uh, Adam. Um, I was on your show about two years ago, and then this guy um, uh, Pablo, as he calls him now, Guidi Bennett is his handle on, on Twitter. He reached out to me after I'd been on his show. We just clicked for two years. We've been talking Bitcoin every single week for hours, and then we decided to put it uh, online and make our little uh, show on my YouTube uh, called The Toxic Happier, where we're just having a poll. We had John on recently. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So um, that, that's what I'm up to. And, and, and thanks uh, also on, um, on eToro uh, that sell a lot of different, you know, dirt coins, as I call them uh, when I'm being nice. Um, I, uh, I now, so as a, as a so-called popular investor on eToro, you compete against each other. Whoever gets the best performance, get more people allocate their savings to you. So they're, copy of you does what you do in real time and so i'm up against all these other you know cryptocurrency portfolios i am 100 percent hodling just bitcoin and that is outperforming every single other uh portfolio in there so my 100 percent hodl strategy is bringing it home because i now have more than half of all the assets under management um are with me and they're all on bitcoin um, so right now it's 2.8 million uh, US dollars, but the other day it grew, like just from yesterday, it grew 300,000. So uh, Bitcoin is helping me out to help them out. And there's a lot of noobs coming in. They go, but what about Ethereum? What about Litecoin? What about ADA? And I'm, I'm helping them. You know, I steer the course for them on 100% Bitcoin allocation. Uh, so they are in a better position with their families a couple of years from now. Dude, what an in motion story. You know, just by being on my show, you, you met someone and you came up with you produced i mean that's that's what this world is about i mean you you created and you were in mo and that's great that pub lord and you uh, got together because of the show and uh just uh, i, I want to ask you you know speaking about eToro have you seen the advertisements with like alec baldwin in it i mean do you <laughs> yeah I, i've seen some of that uh honestly i can't even remember because i don't really look too much at it what i'm concerned about is look there's there's people in different phases of, of, you know, becoming a, a, a toximalist, which I, you know, I'm proud to be toxic towards people that scam. Um, and, and some people, you got to help them, first of all, steer away 
uh, from dirt coins. And uh, uh, so eTOR does different things to bring people in uh, to their platform. Um, I don't have, um, I don't like focus enough on that. I just focus on making sure people get their 100% Bitcoin allocation and outperform the dirt coins. You see, that's such a great point. You know, people are looking for other people to manage their crypto portfolio when it's just as simple as Bitcoin beats everybody's crypto portfolio. You know, people always want to, this is an old saying of mine, but people always want to do something with their Bitcoin. Do nothing with your Bitcoin. Don't turn it into something else. Just let it, let it be there. If you did nothing with your Bitcoin, like I have over all this time, uh, you're in darn good shape. It got to an all-time high. The only thing I did is you, you create, you collect the crypto dividends. You create, you collect the forks and the uh, the airdrops, and uh, you control your own private key that way. Also, you don't you don't let anybody else have your Bitcoin. All right, uh, let's go to uh, John. Your your conclusionary remarks. Any stories that were let off uh, left off? What what are you doing? Uh, no, I think you covered it, man. And as usual, it's a pleasure to be on here and have a chat. And thank you guys for uh, the opportunity and the discussion. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I do the podcast. Uh, I've been doing a little bit more uh, writing lately, which has meant less podcasting. But uh, in the new year, I think it'll be kicked back up into gear. And it's called Bitcoin Rapid Fire for anyone who wants to check it out. And uh, I'm available on Twitter as well. And always... Uh, active there with all of you guys so uh, yeah i just i love that these things happen i love uh toxic happy hour that just you know popped up recently i love as you said adam the production the people just are so motivated and inspired by this thing and they feel like you know they gotta they, they need to flare it off somehow they gotta express it somehow and that's what they're doing in, in everyone's chosen way and i love to see it and i think we're gonna see a lot more of it in 2021 and may everyone who's doing it, you know, do it the way they want and experience success and all that. So I uh, hope everyone has great Christmas and New Year's and uh, I'm sure we'll connect in the new year. Uh, you're very modest because you interviewed Sailor. You did interview Sailor, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, you didn't mention it. Uh, did you get, is, did you have any big takeaways from that? I mean, does he, uh, I, this is, I asked someone else that interviewed him this, uh, interviewed him. Uh, does Sailor care about regulation very much? He, he seems to be, what, what, I, what I've gathered is he's cool with it. I mean, that, that's not his interest in this. This is like, a, a, this is a store of value. And so the whole, what we were talking about before, United States government regulating it, it it's not an issue with him. Did you get that uh, impression? I think he's extremely savvy and smart. And I think he's coming from a vastly different perspective than most of us Bitcoiners. I think freedom has been, in many domains established in his life for a long time. I don't think he's ignorant of what Bitcoin truly represents in that domain. I think he's uh, to a certain extent playing the game that he needs to play right now. I think he realizes this is a Trojan horse. And um, so I, I'm not, you know, I know when he tweeted a couple of weeks ago, there was a bit, you know, the, the horn had swarmed him a little bit, turned on, turned on him, but, um, no, I think he's more savvy than that. And, you know, I'd love to discuss it with him the next time we chat what his true feelings are. But I suspect even then he wouldn't share them all because he, I think he knows what this is and, and he's engaging it the way he thinks is most optimal for his situation right now. And, you know, that's that's my feeling on it. He, he's a unique beast. He's looking out for himself. Good for him. Good for him. He's, he's not giving in the pressure. And, yeah, he people don't put him on a pedestal. He's going to say things you don't like, okay? 
you don't go inquisition on his on his tuchlis because of it. But a lot of people love to do that. If you say one little thing against a, a certain Bitcoin narrative, you're you're out. It's part of the charm of the space too. You know, we got to do that just for posterity, just to keep everyone like you know on their toes. <laughs> I, I I fight again. I. I am a unique beast. I am in the Bitcoin overlay. You can send the Inquisition to me. You can't shut me up. Hey, here's a question real quick from Marco Esquandolas. What's your opinion on Gemini and Coinbase claiming their cold storage is superior to Ledger and Trezor? Are they really making that claim? I, I do know. I You never allow, you never say a third party does a better job than yourself. Have have self-confidence in yourself. Okay, that, that that's my thoughts on the ballet wallet. Uh, my, my thoughts on the ballet while well, it's it's something for for newbies it's something for newbies you try it out you learn from it and then you move to something else what uh, what uh, what Mr. what Bobby Lee is doing he's an entrepreneur you don't have to buy his freaking ballet wallet um, it's it's not hacked it's not it's not some conspiracy or anything like that it's something for 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 newbies and and it's they're supposed to move on from that. So, do you guys did you guys hear those questions? Do you have anything to say about that, people? About uh, Gemini or Coinbase and and uh, ballet? Anything? Final thoughts there, people? Get it off the exchange. <laughs> Just get it off. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, um, all right. And Dennis, I'm I'm letting you end the show. You have anything uh, you know to, to talk about what you're doing personally? Uh, nothing crazy. Just. Working on Coinbeast, it's. I want to thank you guys for this, uh, John Anders. You guys are really killing it out there. A lot of in motion people here, <laughs> and thank you, Adam, again for getting me the the gig with Coinbeast in the first place. That was that was awesome. Yeah, man, you're in motion. You jumped on it, and Coin may Coinbase grow beast. Coin. It sounds like Coinbase. We're saying we're saying Coinbeast. It's linked to below, people. They're TikTok, CoinBeast. They're trying to be like CoinDesk, you know, Cointelegraph. They're working on it. You know, compete, don't complain. We need more media outlets in this space. Uh, I, I just, I love the competition. I love how any anyone can come here. So thank you, panel. Remember, we do this every freaking Friday is This Week in Bitcoin. All you guys are rock, rock. All you guys are unique beasts. Shabbat Shalom. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. You'll get uh, tomorrow's the uh, Bitcoin Noise Show here late on Saturday night. Follow me on Twitter at TechBot. Follow all these guys on Twitter. They are all linked to compete. Don't link to below. Compete. Don't complain. Bye bye, everyone. Have a great weekend. Shabbat shalom. See ya. See you guys. Uh, Thanks bye -bye. all. Bye. Bye guys. All right.